listening to Bloody Mary's Queer Horror Podcast. back uh this episode we are reviewing malignant <laughs> i'm a korean honeycomb biscuit and <laughs> <laughs> let me finish and uh you get shot in the head if you can't successfully use a tiny pin to cut out the shape of a massive dick from it <laughs> sean and my pronouns are they them um, and I'm a little lad who loves berries and scream. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, they them. Oh, I've missed this. <laughs> um, happy Halloween, everyone. Woo! Ooh. Um, to mark uh, such uh, a, an occasion. Auspicious, maybe. Auspicious <laughs> and suspicious. Uh, and also to celebrate the beginning of season two. Woo! Bloody Mary. We've curated a very uh, select and ah! inexhaustive uh, playlist. Four hours plus playlist. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you can find on Spotify uh, via the link in our bio on our Instagram page, which is... Bloody Mary's podcast with a Z, Bloody Mary's. With a Z, of course. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, so do tune in uh, if you have a spare four hours. <laughs> Maybe a commute to work, for example. <laughs> um, a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, so yeah, should we get into the trigger warnings for this film? Yes, song? let's do it. Uh, so, uh, like, there's lots of blood, it's quite gruesome, lots of, like, smushed faces and, uh... Popping bones. Popping, uh, yeah, lots of just general, uh, I was gonna say malaise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ouchies. So ouchies. People uh, doing themselves a mischief. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout. Uh, yes, um, and obviously we'll be using spoilers. There's also worth mentioning a sort of reference to sexual assault and I think just child trauma. Yes. Generally. Um, so yeah, uh, let's let's get into it. Let's do it. So malignant, which is, I think is quite a fun word to say. Decided after saying it a few times so far. It is. Uh, um, um, yeah. It could be confused with malevolent and also uh, oh. maleficent. Oh yes. <laughs> well, we're not talking about those ones. We're talking about malignant. A malignant. Malignant. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was originally scheduled to be released uh, last year in August, um, but due to uh, COVID, I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, <laughs> it was uh, pushed back until September this year. Uh, so it was released in September and then, like, in, I think in cinemas in America, but then onto streaming services. Um, 
It was written and directed by James Wan, who is a writer and True, or... Truly one in a million. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Much like his films. Yeah. Uh, but like he's got like writer and or director credits on like a million of the, the, the Saw films. The first one, yeah. And then a few of the other ones. The Conjuring's is this, mm. The Insidious is this, mm-hmm. The Annabelle's is this. <laughs> um, uh, but also like more kind of actiony films like Aquaman, but also the new Mortal Kombat, which what? I know, I love the new Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyone who saw the trailer would have thought that basically this is another James Wan horror movie in the same vein as like The Conjuring or Insidious. But, we um, definitely did. Yeah, um, but and uh, you do think that at the beginning, but the more you get into it, the more you kind of realise it's a lot more and a lot, lot different than that. It, um, ma- it makes sense hearing that he did that he's done a lot of action films. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I love this. Stephen King praised this movie on his Twitter apparently, but I love this praise. It's so mild. I watched Malignant on HBO and thought it was brilliant. <laughs> what a what a word. <laughs> What's your famous for? <laughs> um, so a random review which I enjoyed was by A. A. Dowd of the A. V. Club. Uh, gave the film a grade B, whatever that means. Um, I think it's about. Three and a half, four pumpkins. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, describing it as a zany, psychodramatic creep fest that here and there veers into gory action hilarity as though Pazuzu has taken over the body of Batman movie. A Batman movie, I should say. Um, that seems quite a fair summary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so James Wan himself described the film as a, a gender... Gender, nope. A genre blender. <laughs> Um, and uh, but actually, I read I, this is a term I hadn't heard before. It's also been referred to as a galio. Have you heard of that term before? No. Um, it's a subgenre of horror that apparently was mainly from the seventies. Um, but on reading it, I think it does fit in a lot of ways. Um, so the description of galio films are that they are generally characterised as gruesome murder mystery thrillers that combine the suspense element of a detective fiction with scenes of shocking horror featuring excessive bloodletting, stylish camera work, and often jarring musical arrangements. That's interesting, because the last film that we did at the end of season one, episode 29, I believe. Yes, (laughs) tidy. Uh, Spiral, which we both hated. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. Spiral, Saw, the book of the Saw, book of Saw. Not yes. Spiral, the other one. Yeah, that we, 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 like, we like that. One. <laughs> um, that was that was very much a, like kind of like detectivey. That was yeah, more on the nose, with, like detectivey. Yeah. I'm not sure it had the elaborate camera work. <laughs> no, it was elaborate nothing. Um, <laughs> elaborate waste of fucking time. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I found out that um, the scenes were um, well. I'm getting into character names that won't mean anything to you, but yeah, you'll you'll get you'll catch up. Um, so Gabriel, um, who we'll find out more about later. Um, the scenes with the walking and the running weren't used making CGI, which is really shocking to me because oh, it was wow. so elaborate. Um, but the scenes were done by a Ukrainian actress called Marina Mazapa, um, who's a professional dancer and contortionist. Uh, perhaps she was famous from like a million American Got Talent shows. Um, it's like, I didn't know there were so many. American's Got Talent, Auditions 3, Judges Cuts 4, Quarterfinals 2, and Live Results 2. Um, anyway. Um, I, I am surprised, but also I think it explains why those movements look so good. Yeah, they did look really kind of realistic. I, like, we were like kind of shocked by them. Like, what? Yeah. Um, and this is, again, getting into some details of the film, but I thought it was uh, worth mentioning here, but we can pick it up again later. Um, found out that it's impossible for identical parasitic twins to be of the opposite gender. Yes, um, yes. Uh, I'm going to raise this. <laughs> uh, like Gabriel and Madison are. 
people you don't know yet. Um, uh, however, Gabriel is, is so part of Madison's body, it's been pointed out, that he virtually has no biological sex. So it's been posited that he's actually adopted a man's name and identity like a trans person. Oh. Uh, Gabrielle. Yes. Interesting. Uh, so, well, um, thanks for ruining, ruining my queer reading. <laughs> <of this. laughs> um, there was also some discussion about how, um, how, and why and where uh, Gabriel slash Madison's super strength and power over electricity comes from, and one suggestion is. Um, Although the mom's pregnancy was a product of sexual assault, it's not said by who, or more importantly, what? More importantly. Mortantly importantly. Well, what is it? like a toaster or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's more like the devil or something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant the electrical appliance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one silly final fact that I wanted to throw in there in the mix before we move on to the film is that um, Madison's real name is obviously Emily May, and May is uh, the month... The month of, of Mary. The month of Mary. No, the month <laughs> of uh, Gemini in the Zodiac. And Gemini is obviously the sign of two personalities oh, in one body. Interesting. So I think that's a little bit tenuous, but I enjoyed it anyway. So the film, we're here, it's 1993, we're outside a giant gothic building, and it kind of looks like it's so cheesy, it looks like kind of like a, it's out of Batman or something. Um, yeah, I, I said it looked like the uh, the Blue Peter version of uh, Tracy Island. <laughs> <laughs> but at night. Um, at night. <laughs> um, and so here we meet uh, Dr. Florence Weaver and her colleagues Victor Fields and John Gregory, who are treating psychiatric patient Gabriel at the Simeon Research Hospital. Uh, Gabriel has special powers, uh, is able to control electricity and broadcast his thoughts via speakers. Um, one night, Gabriel turns violent and kills several of the staff members at the institution. Uh, is there any really like, the lighting and the kind of acting of this bit is so, like, cheesy and kind of campy. Oh, um, way much more so than the rest of the film. It, yeah. It kind of, it throws it's like, you off. It's, it's a bit like, mwahaha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah it's, it, it's so hammy that yeah. I actually thought it was going to do, like, a swerve, like, and is it Scream 4, where it starts off? Oh, uh, yeah. Where you think you're watching the film, but you're not. You're watching someone watching a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Dr. Weaver so campy. She's like, you've been a bad boy, Gabriel. And then it's like, the region was like, time to cut out the cancer. <laughs> um, shifting along 27 years, um, we meet Madison Lake, a pregnant woman living in Seattle, who returns home to her abusive husband, uh, Derek Mitchell, after her pregnancy causes her to feel ill at work. And you can tell he's a bad dude because uh, he's at home during the day watching sports on the bed with his shoes on. Oh. What a villain. Um, well, he goes to get worse. But, um, so uh, <laughs> uh, during an argument, Derek smashes Madison's head into the wall, um, which causes her to bleed out the back of her head and she locks him out and then falls asleep. Um, she then has a dream, uh, like a spooky shadow figure comes in, kills uh, hubby, and then yeets her through a door. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad we, we, we introduced yeet, yeet into our normal panel. Yeah, I've tried to include it a few times. In the, oh, have you? Yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so the next morning, the morning sun, uh, Madison uh, wakes up in the hospital and her sister Sydney says that her unborn baby didn't survive the attack. 
Um, she's, she's not called Sydney, is she? Yeah. Um, that's so funny because when she first arrives, she really reminds me of... Oh, that's not Sydney. Are you talking about screen? Yeah, she reminds <laughs> me of the uh, Drew Barrymore's character with uh, her like, little like, blonde bob. Drew Barrymore's character called? It's not Sydney. Sydney's the main person. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so after being interviewed by the police detective, uh, Keiko Shaw and his partner, Regina Moss, uh, Madison returned home. Return home. Um, <laughs> Uh, there, Madison tells Sydney that she was adopted at eight years old. Don't know why, but there you go. Uh, cuts a scene where we see spooky, uh, the spooky character that we saw earlier kidnapping a woman who's running a Seattle underground tour. Um, Madison has another vision, this time of the spooky killer murdering Dr. Weaver. Uh, at this point, it's sort of becoming a bit clearer that it might not be like a ghost. It's like maybe like a physical thing. Um, it's, it's maybe worth saying that like obviously this is a spoiler this whole thing is a spoiler if you haven't seen it but like from the very beginning of watching this we kind of and and I don't know how much you've seen I don't know if we we're just we were saying this like is it a really obvious twist because we did we got to we arrived at, at guessing the twist before it was revealed yeah and had pretty much got the gist of it quite early on um, yeah, not the finer details. There were some bits that still surprised me, but um, but yeah, like not all of it. Um, so anyway, uh, during their investigations, uh, Shaw and Moss discover a photo of Madison as a child in Weaver's house and learn that Weaver was specialised in child reconstructive surgery. Um, Madison has to come to the police after Madison has another vision, this time of the killer murdering uh, Dr. Fields. Um, the killer then contacts Madison and reveals himself to be Gabriel, Madison's childhood imaginary friend. Um, she and her sister visit their mother, Jean, sorry, Janine, I was going to say, um, in Coronation Street. No, it's EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, to, that, oh, no, that was Janice Battersby. <gasps> anyway. All the, all the <laughs> genies. Uh, to learn more. So Madison realizes that Gabriel was not her imaginary friend, but someone real who she used to speak to uh, during her childhood. Um, Shaw finds a link between the doctors and Madison, which leads him to discover Dr. Gregory's dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, the detectives enlist the help of psychiatric hypnotherapist, um, hoping to unlock Madison's memories. Um, Madison recalls her birth name is actually Emily May, and that Gabriel wants her to kill her unborn sister. And that's like, I like this scene. She, she comes close to doing it, and the dream, she thinks she's dreaming, and she's got like a knife, and she's going to slice a bit of cake. And then she wakes up, and it's over her mum's tummy. Yeah. She's like, oopsie. <laughs> wrong cake. <laughs> wrong, wrong bun in the wrong oven. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she stops herself um, from actually doing it because her sister's still there, mm. and her mum's alive. Anyway, so the police arrest Madison when the kidnapped woman falls from the attic in her home. Uh, revealing, yeah, that's a gag. Yeah, <laughs> revealing that Gabriel was living inside of her house. Uh, so the, what we'd been led to believe up until that point, the, where this tour guide had been tied up, tied up and was kidnapped. somewhere that was part of the underground network of Seattle. The, yeah, um, some kind of unknown, yeah. weird, creepy space. Um Actually, that whole scene isn't included in the synopsis that I was basing this on. Anyway, um, so she comes to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the police arrest her and find out she's in her house. Uh, the woman turns out to be Serena May, who's Madison's birth mother. 
Um, Sydney visits the abandoned Simeon Hospital and finds that Gabriel is Emily's twin brother, who lives within her body as an extreme version of a teratoma, sharing the same brain and spinal cord as Emily. And they, do, they find this out by watching VHS tapes, and like, I love that reveal where they like pan around and you see this sort of like alien thing coming out of her back. Going, yeah, it, it manages to be kind of schlocky but still disturbing. Yeah, um, which I think this film manages to do quite well in general. Yeah, it's just like a lot going on in a way that shouldn't work, but somehow it does come together. Mm. Um, so anyway, during Emily's childhood, Gabriel appeared as a half-formed face out of Emily's back. Uh, Weaver, that's not really very accurate, but anyway, uh, Weaver operated on Emily and was able to remove all of the tumour except for the brain. Um, and so, yeah, we find out he was dormant after a childhood, but woke up when Derek hit her head against the wall. Uh, Gabriel's face now emerges from the back of Madison's skull and operates her body backwards when he takes control, explaining the killer's twisted backward movement and upside down fingerprints of the crime scenes. Um, uh, that doesn't sense. make why, any why sense. Why would you have upside down fingerprints? The hand doesn't go inside out. Does it? No, they'd just be upside down. And I'm sure that I'm sure forensic detectives are smart enough to be like, oh, it's an upside. Uh, it's an upside How down. How can it be an upside down fingerprint? It can't be. Uh, that's the fingerprints switch around. Anyway, uh, so that's I think that's fault, fake news. Sorry. That is fake news. Um, so. Uh, so while she's in holding... Uh, that again. is the one unrealistic Ooh. part of this film. <laughs> so, yeah, while in the holding cell, um, like, uh, Gabrielle's provoked by inmates in the lockup, um, who weirdly look like they've all come from the 70s or like some kind of disco party, I don't know. Um, and uh, <laughs> It looks like they're going to do some, like, uh, sort of West Side Story kind yeah. of right number or something. <laughs> um, so he takes full control of her body and just, like, does this kind of amazing kind of slaughtering everyone moment, um, including most of the precinct, using his superhuman strength and agility, and then leaves. Um, so uh, Sydney and Shaw and Septim at the hospital, uh, they've realised he's going there to kill the mum, where Serena, the mum, is recovering from her captivity and falling through the attic, probably. Um, <laughs> maybe, so, maybe that. Maybe that, yeah. <laughs> um, so Shaw and Sydney are attacked by Gabriel. Uh, Sydney randomly tells Madison that Gabriel is the cause of her miscarriages because he was feeding off her fetuses, which um, it, I don't know how she knows or like why, but that's a big plot hole for me. Anyway. But it um, serves a very useful point, which I will bring up later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So, um, so angry at this random unsourced news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> angry at this pure conjecture. <laughs> uh, Madison wakes up and takes back control of her body um, and transports Gabriel and herself to a black mindscape. Um, there she locks an angry Gabriel behind the bars and says she'll be ready for him after he promises to escape one day. Uh, back at the hospital in full control of her body, uh, Madison yeets the hospital bed, uh, pinning Sydney to the wall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pair hug as Madison says that even though she was adopted and not replaced by blood, she will always love her as her sister. Um, as the two embrace, Serena looks on happily with the electric humming that accompanied Gabriel attacks quietly... Uh, going on in the background, <laughs> hum, quietly humming again, humming in the background, and that is the end of the synopsis and the film. <laughs> Beautiful. 
So yeah, how, 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 how are we going to do that? We're doing a slightly new format this episode, so actually we're going to try and just like talk through what we think about it with the synopsis that you just heard. So let us know what you think about it. Unless you don't like it. Yeah, in this case, <laughs> shut your stinking face. <laughs> I will eat you. <laughs> um, I think, that, so I, I think in general this was weird very really weird, weird. Yeah. and I think that's partially quite cleverly done because of the way it was marketed and I think it's one of these things where you think you're watching what will be something along the lines of The Conjuring and that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. but it's wildly different both in terms of genre and it, it's just a very weird film yeah. but I kind of think it's maybe iconic I know like, I think it worked really really well and like it was very kind of at times it was very actiony mm. um and there were bits where they were like, it felt like Matrixy or Mortal Kombat-y. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of worked. Like, I didn't object to it in any way because it worked. I didn't think it took itself very seriously as a film. Yeah, I, I agree. And, like, um, it kind of, like, yeah, because, like, you just didn't expect what was happening. It was kind of, like, is it a treat almost? Like, the, the twist was kind of the story changing so much. It was like, what? And now this? And what? <laughs> like, yeah. just, like, everything about... And the reveal, like, like the so reveal of how the, like, the killer, like, moves backwards. Like, you don't see the full picture of that until it's, like, slowly revealed over time. Yeah. And that was, like, really kind of breathtaking, just in its, like... Uh, you know, the way that it was done. And obviously now we know that it was like this person so really talented, like contortionist. Um, and also the, the um, I think the, so the, the, the kind of the evil character um, isn't kind of visually that unique, but it's the movements that really set them apart. Yeah. And like we are from the, the first time we saw them when they like snap the neck of the husband, I think. Yeah, yeah. They kind of like crawl in a weird disjointed way and I was like oh here we go another sort of like Ringu style yeah. kind of awkward like limb cracking popping. bones yeah. sort of thing but then after that it is it, 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 you, it takes you a while to figure out how they're moving because it's so strange and then you realise they're moving like their limbs are kind of going backwards yeah um, and it looks so good it really so, does so and I think that's like the first time I've seen that like really like uh, yeah I think that's it. there must be other films that has happened but I haven't seen any. I think it was, like, incredible. And also, it does, in such a sort of unrestrained and silly film, it does show a lot of restraint that they haven't done that with CGI because I can imagine it getting, like, all kind of gangly and, like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like, too obviously CGI-ish. Um, but, yeah, it was done very, very, very well. Yeah, like, I really love the bit where it crawls out from under the bed when it's, like, going to attack the, the older, who we yes. assume is a gamer. <laughs> yes. Um, who's in the bed, and it's, like, really slow and kind of, like, comes out. And it's just, like, kind of, yeah. The, and then kind the, of climbs over her, or what we think is her. Yeah, anyway. in her sort of dream state. But, yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Shall we talk about some of our favourite bits? Sure. Um, so, I... Uh, th that thing that you said, that Galileo, whatever it's called. Galileo. Galileo, where it was about the kind of the camera work. Yeah. Th this was very beautifully shot film. Yeah. It was more beautifully shot than it had any right to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a bit where, uh, I, I can't really remember which bit it is, but she's, uh, the main character, uh, uh, Madison, yes. is running through the house and it's like an overhead shot yeah, that, that follows her through the rooms. It's almost like, you know, like the original Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> it's like that kind of bird's eye view. Um, and it looks like a doll's house. Like, it looks really beautiful. It's such yeah. an interesting uh, way of filming it. And there's lots of kind of... Um, 
uh, kind of like effects that they do that kind of distort the that thing that you really like where that where it uh, the person stays still, but the background the back- kind of distorts <laughs> or yes, moves. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I think also, like, as well, as, there, there were so many kind of interesting shots in a way that kind of, like, for some reason it didn't feel, like, corny or tacked on. It actually added in a way that kind of, like, yeah, I kind of, with that kind of stuff, it can go so wrong where you can just, it feels a bit like art student or something. It's like, I'm going to be filming from yes. the corner of the room upside down. And, yes. yeah, but it like didn't. Hello, St. Maud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I also thought that like, there was like quite a lot of kind of um, interesting kind of like quite classical horror lighting, like in terms of just like there was quite a lot of like coloured lighting, like specifically red that was used on the film, which I thought was quite kind of like like Argento almost, or like kind of. Um, you you said you said at the beginning that it was like creepy, yeah, shit, and it really was. It really yeah. was at times. It really like ca- like camped up the kind of all the scenes and made them quite comic booky in a way that it just. I think this film does feel quite comic booky and kind of like quite actiony in that way. Yes, and um, I think specifically the comic booky things is the lighting, the set of that hospital, which is absurd. That I mean, it's that absurd. was the most ridiculous. It's the campiest bit. Yeah, <laughs> but also like the kind of underground bit and the the attic that he lives in. Yeah, just like you know, the, the, uh, there's something about it that just has a very very strong kind of comic book villain sort of overtones yeah and i think also like it was like it was interesting with the the soundtrack i thought like i think the music was quite kind of heavy-handed in a way that i was finding quite kind of jarring to begin with um like quite kind of like classic like classic horror films it's all kind of like creepy music and it's just like quite like loudly put over but for some reason it worked again like in a way that i just can't um, can't really understand it just like all fit together and that kind of like amazing kind of creepy version of uh, where's my mind just like sort of sprinkled throughout it as yes well. and it's so annoying so i i, I shazammed that where is my mind because we were like oh this is so, like such a good version but the vocals on it are awful yeah stinking but <laughs> re- it, it is very well produced and like the musical bits are very good it's also features on our four-hour playlist yeah so check it out <laughs> um, yeah i think in terms of the like kind of horror cliches <clears throat> I, they, 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 horror cliches in general rarely offend me within horror films because I think they're, they're, they're good for a reason. Yeah. And there were, there were many in this one, which included an, a sort of... I mean, it wasn't an asylum, but it was like a haunted medical facility yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that she goes back to on her own and she has to go down into the... view the records in the, in the basement. Yes. And you see like a wicker bath chair. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's all very... Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't offend me in any way because I and I think this is the thing, like <clears throat> horror at its best is camp. And I think it's part true. of campness is just presenting it as pure seriousness and not leaning into being silly too much. Yeah. And there is an element of this is like we are presenting what is effectively a very well made film, very good film, but it's stupid. It is silly, like <laughs> and, like, and but it's done with such earnestness that it kind of becomes camper. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, so she's got like an evil twin in her back and he can control electricity and you know, he like takes control of her body and he just flies around all over the place. He's got superpowers as well, by the way. So it's like what so, <laughs> on the note of the electricity thing, that was the um that was the thing I had the biggest problem with because did it really need to be there because this the, could have essentially been something that wasn't supernatural it was yeah. actually just about this parasitic twin yeah thing. absolutely but i guess it was a plot device because it was the only way that it allowed gabriel to communicate because when he speaks 
he doesn't physically speak, although no. he does make noises sometimes. Which doesn't make any sense because yes. he has no lungs. He, um, <laughs> he, uh, he kind of takes over like the signal of a radio or something or a TV and speaks through that. So from that purpose... If he, but did he really need to have a voice? I yeah, I agree. I, I was thinking that it was useful, like you said, like as a plot device. Specifically, it came into its own during the scene where she's being interrogated, and he calls the phone, so trying to imply that there's a different person and oh, they're not yeah, in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the only time where I thought, oh, okay, that's actually useful. Yeah, like to throw them off, like to make it seem like there is another thing that's actually able to speak and is using a phone to call them. Yeah, I suppose without that moment, they would have continued... Because this almost became one of those films that, which is one of the things I find most frustrating, which I think I've said before um, in <laughs> our, in our vast back catalogue, which is where... You know that the person is innocent, but nobody else in the film believes yeah. it. I find I find it like so excruciating, and it could have gone in that direction, but it doesn't because during that interrogation, the person rings on the phone and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. and it, and they can see her, so she knows that they know yeah. she's not just like, hello. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just turn around for a second. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just. There's something interesting on the floor. I need to look at. <laughs> hello, hello, your phone's ringing. <laughs> 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 yeah so like while I didn't love the electricity bit I guess it does I see the reason for it and also it did give that, that extra element of like flickering lights and things being in the dark because they can control electricity which which kind of yeah, I did. Ambience, I guess. I feel like they like it should have been limited to controlling like devices which can produce sound or something. I don't, and, like, like only when necessary. Yeah, like it, just showing off. Yeah, <laughs> like I just feel like just like controlling it just a bit didn't really have any other uses. There was no bits like where just controlling it just had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, like he exploded a few light bulbs and things, but it's just like round. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess I think that electricity thing also leans into the comic book kind of superpowery thing. Yeah. And I also suppose. the the parallel to Mortal Kombat, which I could see, which was like, I, there's a bit in particular, like one of the first times where you properly see him in silhouette, which is maybe also the, the bit I jumped at the most. Um, he uh, he looks like a Mortal Kombat character. He really reminds me of yeah. Cabal from the, uh, from like the 2D ones that had a, a mask on and long hair and yeah. like... Um, the, and and then obviously the sort of controlling electricity is very Raiden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was like reminded of like the Matrix, both because they all wear those long black trench coat leather trench coats, but also the kind of fight scenes were very kind of like you know contortionist, kind of crazy, kind of like spinning around the room, camera mm. watching them, kind of like through, yeet people around the room. <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeetal combat. <laughs> The ye tricks. <laughs> Yeet him. <laughs> Some yeeto. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else will find yeet funny as we do, but there we go. <laughs> I mean, it's a miracle anyone finds any of this funny. <laughs> but here we are, 30 episodes here we in. Are. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing that kind of comes from that electricity thing is. Uh, it's his sort of like super strength 
Yeah. And the his like seeming invincibility, he's very difficult to kill for what essentially is just a face on the back of a normal woman's head. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's obviously a lot of questions about I mean like obviously it's it, that of it has to be non-supernatural as a as a cause because like why would a like a woman who struggles to get through a day working as a nurse then also be able to fly around the room killing people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I do say we expect too much of our nurses yes, given their low pay. Yes, right. Yes, they probably can. If they've had a little rest. Yeah, or if they were a- adequately compensated for their, for their talents. Maybe that's why they don't, because they're going to kill everyone. <laughs> Keep them tired and sedated. Um, the, so, a cliche that I didn't like. Yeah. And again, it makes sense in terms of the story, but it re- it, it's, it always happens in horror films. Which is the idea of like uh, trauma has repressed memories, but mm. if if not, then there'd be no question about what was going on here. She'd know immediately what was happening, and it and it it's not always a bad thing. But there's lots of films where it's just like, oh, it's something that happened, but you've just forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like obviously that is a real thing. That yeah, people yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Repressed uh, trauma, but the, I think in in the real world, if that trauma were to really present themselves. It probably wouldn't stay locked away. <laughs> I'm no. not sure that's how it works. But it reminds me of um, this is a film that I actually really love, in spite of the fact that I'm about to criticise it. Which I can't remember if you like it or not. I think you probably like it, but I don't know if you love it. Can you remember the? Uh, I, can't remember. I hate it. The Awakening. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that is. Is it the? Uh, I feel like I've got that name wrong. It's about it's about the um, the uh, the woman who's obviously based a little bit on uh, like. Houdini or someone or the woman who used to work with Houdini whose name I can't remember the one who used to go around debunking the psychics right right and then she gets invited to uh, an all boys school oh yes yes just yes. because they think there's a ghost a there a ghost yeah and then blah, I really love it I think it's a beautiful film and it's very much like my vibe which is like big haunted old uh, yeah, house. I think it's okay um, and it's got Imelda Staunton in she plays the uh, the like maid sort of matron sort of character right and then at the end it turns out that this little boy who's, st- who's the only one that stays there over Christmas is actually a ghost and it turns out that the the woman doing the investigation was actually his sister but she'd forgotten that she used to yeah, live in that yeah, house yeah, yeah. And, and it was just like oh come on yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I, th- I think the idea of just having forgotten stuff, it's it's too easy. Like it's too easy as a storytelling device. Yeah, but it, it, it does occur all the time in in horror. They don't really explain that in terms of like what happens to him when like how long after the surgery it was even like you know that kind of stuff. Like yeah, like when she yeah like. And what, the, what is the timeline yeah. here of her moving in with this new family? And then, I mean, I'm starting to pick holes, but it just feels like sort of pulling at a thread on a jumper, it's all going to fall apart. But it's just like, <laughs> um, it's, you know, like the fact that she doesn't have any scars on her back from like this kind of extensive surgery. But then they kind of explain that away by him having these supernatural powers that kind yeah. of heals the body in some way. I know, because um, so when she hits her head on the wall, it kind of kind of cracks open the stitches and this face emerges from it. Yeah. Until that point, I was just like, so like her mother was never like washing her hair when she was yeah. alive and was just like, oh, hello. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> you didn't tell me you had a little head friend. <laughs> Go for a haircut. Hello, going anywhere else in the holiday? <laughs> Do you want anything off the back? No, thank you. Leave <laughs> the back. Like, Would you mind cutting some bangs in the back as well? <laughs> 
<laughs> you read frame his gruesome face. It's like, I'm afraid I, I do want to go short for some, but we'll have to be a mullet because there's not something I want to do. <laughs> like a more of a masculine cut in the back, maybe a quiff. <laughs> uh, yeah, choppy bob at the front. <laughs> quiff at the back. I guess, I, I, and, I, and I'd like to speak to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like all films, <laughs> we perhaps shouldn't question things too deeply. <laughs> um, one bit that I did find very genuine, like not like, I think I did jump because I jump, but the slightest thing, but... Uh, I think it was more like quite a chilling visual was when she... So basically, what, what didn't really come out in, in that synopsis there was the fact that when she is witnessing what her... Yeah. Uh, the, her parasitic twin is doing, she's not actually witnessing. If she is there, but the parasitic twin has managed to make her believe that she is still where she was. So it ends up in this weird thing where she's kind of half... So she might just be like sitting on the floor in her kitchen... But then she's also stood oh. in the corner of somebody else's house. I watching really, the yeah. Happen. The first time that happened, I really liked it. It was like basically she sat like putting some laundry in, and all of a sudden there's a face on the other this side. This is the of bit the, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a woman really... just going like, "What are you doing in my house?" Yeah. Where it still felt like it could be a ghosty film, Dan. Yeah. Because it was like, oh my god, why is there a ghost here? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was the bit that I I thought was really well done, and that was where that turned out to be the doctor. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it was the doctor, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so what she was actually seeing is that doctor was talking to Gabriel, not to her. Yeah. But in her mind, she was still in her kitchen at home. Yeah. Um, There's some kind of like messiness about the fact that Gabriel kind of like can make her see what he wants her to see. Uh, but also like it seems like at the beginning of it, it's kind of like she's sort of melding into her reality with the one that's actually happening. Um, it, like, which is strange because like, why wouldn't it just be distinct? I suppose it, it wouldn't make for a good story if she just sat at home and she didn't see anything. <laughs> just saw her loading a washing machine and then next scene. Oh, there's been a murder. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. I, I can't help. my washing. <laughs> the, um, but uh, the, the idea that Gabriel has more power than she does in terms of being a in terms of this like super strength but also in terms of being able to make her believe that her life is just going on as normal um works very well because of how it ends which is that she then gains that power um through her own sort of will where she is able to not only retain the strength by eating the bed off the sister (laughs) But also eating him into a into, prison, into a into a, a sort of mind abstract prison. mind prison. Um, I can't think of anything else I want to say about it, really. Um, no, I think the rest of what I want to say will be covered in the following section. Let's yeet it into the next yes. section, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about representation. Yeah, that didn't. <laughs> Represent Yeetion. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, shall we uh, talk about women first and foremost? Go on. Um, so, like most horror films, it centers around a woman dealing with horrible trauma. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think, so there are two strands that I picked up about this relating to women mainly. One is... Well, maybe three. Uh, do you mean actually. about motherhood or women? Well, yeah. all of the above. Okay. So, 
Um, one is about the kind of representation of quite a typical abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, which I thought was fairly well done. Um, in that it felt like very like typical because what what we found out after so that the 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 husband that I guess that's there are they married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The husband at the beginning, Derek. Have I just made that up? Yeah, I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter. Well, let's call him Derek. Yeah, um, seems, oh, he is Derek, yeah. yeah. It seems like an abuser. <laughs> um, he um, is abusive. Before he even bangs her head against the wall, uh, he is, like, really emotionally abusive to her, saying, yeah, like, yeah. you need to stop getting pregnant. Like, I can't... Because I, we find out she's miscarried twice, and... Um, he blames her for it and he's like I can't take this heartbreak anymore you keep killing my baby sort of thing yeah. and like she's like already come he's already feeling really awful has come from a busy day at work while he's just been lying on the bed with his shoes on shoes on shoes on um, and uh, yeah and it, it like it seems to be a very typical sort of representation of abuse because we find out later that um, her and her sister actually haven't been in touch for a very long time to the point that her sister didn't even know that she'd miscarried twice because the husband was keeping her like separated from, oh, yeah, from yeah, her yeah, family, yeah. which is again a very like typical kind of abusive trait. Yeah. As is so straight after he bashes her head against the wall. Um we probably should have done a trigger warning about this actually, but I it didn't really occur to me because it, it's very briefly dealt with at the beginning. This That's right, yeah, but, yeah. So apologies. Uh she uh after she's had her head bashed against the wall, um he immediately starts to apologize. Yeah, um, it's like it wasn't like, me. It was it, like, yeah. You know, this isn't really me. I'll do better. I'm working on myself. I'm yeah. gonna go and get you some ice. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, it's all just very kind of typical. Um, so the 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 character that really stands out to me is like this weird, uh, kind of pointless and underdeveloped sort of comedy moment character is the forensic woman. Oh um, yes, who is very a very youthful looking white woman with big glasses. She seems like she's kind of a bit of a nerd stereotype, but not quite. Yeah, she looks like one of those people that would be in like a, a movie where that. she yeah she's yeah. all that. Where she <laughs> take, takes off a glass and puts her head out, and everyone's like, oh, oh my god, what a beauty! Yes. We never You've knew. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, very much that. And she is really like uh, she's obviously like super intelligent and super smart because of you know she's a forensic detective, but or forensic whatever it is like crime scene investigator person, but. She is like really giddy and turns into like a little giggling schoolgirl when she speaks to. Is her name Ke- uh, Keiko? Ke- uh, yeah, I'm not the, sure how he pronounces it, which I feel bad about it. It's like Ke- the, it's Keiko or something. So it's like, the, so basically, the Detective the, Shaw. Detective Hottie. Yes. So there are t- the two main detectives there's him and then there's the woman. So he, he's, he's very youthful looking, and she's obviously the old, the woman is more like kind of seasoned. Yeah. Um, and yeah, every time this this giddy forensic woman speaks to him, she's like, <laughs> yeah. but then it never goes anywhere. Does she survive actually? Uh, I don't even remember what happens to her. She's such a yeah, she's such a pointless character. A completely underdeveloped, yeah, underdeveloped, rather. Um, yeah, so that was another thing. And then the last thing I thought about women, which obviously doesn't isn't doesn't just apply to women, but is about motherhood. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Oh, sure. That what? I believe that all horror films are ultimately about motherhood. <laughs> wow. Um, I think they all are. But, well, uh... I think you're mistaken. <laughs> um, the, and there, there is an element this, and there, and there was a point where I was kind of waiting for it, and it did. It and it, it, it yielded the results. I think so. Yeeted, <laughs> yeeted the motherhood theme, <laughs> which is um, when. Uh, 
in the kind of final, in the denouement, um, mm. in the mother's hospital room, yeah. when she's like uh, sort of in the hospital bed all like wired up, she, um, the, the moment that we see weakness in Gabriel's character is when the mother says, I'm sorry, I should never have given you up. I have some responsibility in this. Yeah. And which, of course, she, she has no reason to need to do that because she was literally a child who was raped. Yes. <laughs> but she says, I'm sorry, I should have loved you as you are, blah, 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 blah. And you see him kind of soften. Yeah. And at that moment, that's when um, uh, Madison is able to start taking over when yeah. he's been weakened by that kind of maternal moment. Maternal um, vibes. And then the other thing is, which finalizes her reign of power is that the thing that makes her the the final line for her that makes her snap is finding out that he is responsible according to the sister <laughs> based on absolutely nothing <laughs> that he is responsible for devouring the two fetuses and kind of uh kind of stealing away her opportunity to be a mother yeah and that's where she finds her strength from so in a way i think that's very good representation yeah 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 um yeah, I mean, like, obviously there's, like, a theme of, yeah, motherhood from just from the very beginning with that, like, basically the reason that she's giving up the child is because the mum, like, um, wants the, the baby to be gone um, and says it's an abomination. Obviously, at that point, we didn't know what kind of abomination. We just thought it was, a, you know, kind of an unwanted pregnancy. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, uh, it, it is uh, heavily motherhoody all the way through. Mm. To the point, actually, that my first guess about what the twist would be was that actually the, the monster was actually, like, the mother for some reason. Mm. Um, and that they lived in the underground Seattle village. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the, the Seattle underground thing, I looked that up, actually, while we were watching it, because I was like, does this place really exist? I'd love to go. And it does. Yeah, <laughs> the, those um, tours are real. Yeah, I saw that. The, um, yeah, I think um, the they've, they've very cleverly... Um, kind of play with gender a little bit in especially in the early stages of the film because there's a moment I and I think I forget when it is I think it's just before her husband gets killed at the beginning where she's uh, Madison is staring and it's a, re it's a really good shot where Madison is staring at the the space that's oh no it's much later because it's when her sister comes into the room she's staring at the uh, the like crack in the wall where her head had been bashed against it and her shadow uh, is very, very, like, clearly and crisply, like, in front yeah. of her. And you realise at that moment that the shadow looks exactly like the figure that we've yeah, already yeah. seen. And it is an androgynous figure because it's just long hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's mostly in silhouette in the, in the early stages. So it does have you kind of... Because at first I was just like, okay, the, my you got, got to the twist quicker than I did, but I, my, I thought that... It was her. It was another aspect of her, which I guess it kind of is. It is, yeah. But yeah, I was like, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, this shadow is like foreshadowing shadow ah! that is telling us that um, that it's actually her. And I think that that it, yeah. And I, I, I just to go back to like how obvious the twist is or not, or the or the the. I felt like the breadcrumbs were very obviously laid throughout, mm. but I don't know if we're just too kind of. This sounds wanky, but if we're too very savvy. very literate at, at recognizing these things because yeah. we've seen so many similar sort of things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I'd be curious to know if like someone who wasn't a big horror aficionado would have picked up 
the twist. Yeah. And I think maybe they would have got some of the way there. Yeah, I think it was actually more fun sort of vaguely figuring it out and figuring out like more details about it as it went through. I don't know how it would feel just for it to be that huge reveal. Like but a just being a monster, reveal. Yeah, the monster on her back was just like, oh yeah. my god, man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, any more on, on ladies? I don't think so. On the ladies? From you? From the lovely ladies? Um, I guess, well, we could maybe pick this up in, like, uh, or we can do it as a segue. Um, the the only, like, woman of colour in the film is that detective... Regina Moss. Uh, Regina Moss. Um, and I think she had quite a, like, stereotypical kind of... Nah, yeah, like kind of like a like two-dimensional a sort of sassy in sassy inverted. yeah older black women it was just like um yeah like she had like a few comedy lines i'm not gonna spoil the one that like i chose as my funniest moment oh, but, um, the same as mine. um but yeah like she she was like more like like just kind of silly like saying everything was silly and just be like no like this kind of like yeah just like quite kind of uh, tired sort of yeah. sassy trope. Um, yeah, I I can't remember what it was that changed because I I thought that as well. But then there's a moment where I was like, I, I I did really like her as a character though. All the same, like um, especially because like she's hard as nails at the end. Yeah, like yeah. she um, like she is more sort of like so both of the detectives end up getting wounded. But her wound is much worse. It's like a big slash across the midsection. Yeah, yeah. And she still just kind of keeps going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she is like a sort of a badass. Yeah. But, yeah, she does venture into cliche a little bit in a quite racialized way, I think. Yeah, and also actually just thinking about it, the, the other woman of colour is the one in the holding cell who's dressed like some kind of 70s yes. pimp like, yes. sort of thing it's, where it's just like, yeah, like really weird platform boots and uh, like a giant afro and it's just like very not of this time. Yeah, which actually I think this is another thing about uh, women in general is the portrayal of uh, women in jail. Uh, so yeah. in that holding cell. So it's it's a big cell full of loads and loads of women. Um, mostly white women, but there are some women of colour. But yeah. specifically this black woman with an afro that looks like she could have come from like a night fever video. Yeah, she yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. come from a disco. Or yeah. from like, or that she's like a Grand Theft Auto version of a sex worker. Yeah. She's, she, it's very stylized. And she's like needlessly violent as well, where it's just like, there's no explaining why. Like, yeah. um, it's, it's just suddenly kind of like punches her and kicks her. Yeah. It's just like, why? Um, yeah. And I, I, I think if, if my understanding is correct of like American legal procedures is that that holding cell will probably be people who are just staying there for a night. So it yeah. might be people who were like drunk and disorderly. It might be sex workers that they picked up or something. Yeah. But like the representation of like when she first walks in there as this kind of like meek little white girl yeah. who is terrified and shaken up and we know her to be innocent or we think we know her to be innocent. Um is that all of the other women in there are inherently bad women because they're in jail. Yeah, and they actually, like, really ham it up with it. Like, a lot of them are, like, dirty. Like, like you can see dirt all over their bodies yeah. and on their faces. And it's like, I don't think that's real. Yeah, <laughs> and, like... and also the, the instigators of the violence are the uh, the black woman um, and the, like, quite a butch-looking yeah, older woman who has strong lesbian, lesbian vibes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think that I feel like the whole prison, the portrayal of those people in jail, was the most problematic. Yeah, like a little problematic pocket in the film. Yeah, in an otherwise <laughs> not too problematic film. But it did, it did like basically instigate the kind of like a sort of like quite ex- exciting, uh, violent kind of spree um, of like killing, which is obviously like 
they needed to make them look like cheesy villains so that it was more yeah. fun to watch them getting killed. And again, like just, just hearing you <laughs> describe them as cheesy villains does make me think, like, this is essentially a comic book as well. Yeah. Like, so I think, yeah, yeah the, uh, comics like horror work very well with cliches. Yes. Um, so should we talk about people of colour more generally then? Sure. Um, so I think that pretty much covers the um, the women. Yes, yeah. Um, and then the, the lead uh, detective man... Yes. Uh, Detective Man. Detective Man. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of the comic book. Um, He... um... He is, he looks like a little twink, like he's, he he's very baby faced. So he is. Uh, but didn't we find out he was like actually in real life like 40 years old, but he looks like yes, he, well, about he's, 15. He's older than both of us. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's weathered rather better right yeah. now. So. Not me, I'm beauty. <laughs> I, I am I beauty. beauty. <laughs> um, so he is from a uh, Malaysian, Chinese and Greek Cypriot background. Um and then the other notable non-white character, who isn't that notable in terms of his role in it, but you know, you remember the guy who, who's who manipulates the photograph? Oh yeah. Um, uh, and like, so he's obviously some digital whiz. Uh, he is. Uh, he's this like quite sort of like chunky guy who might be like uh, like indigenous or like Latino or something. Yeah, like. he's, yeah. he's not white anyway. Yeah. Um. So like, it's it's. I I think it's like. It's it's fine representation. I don't think it's it's not like an I, overwhelmingly diverse cast. And I think because it's based around families, um, it makes sense that they're all white, like the main, like <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Um, and the 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 diversity aspects of it in terms of color is like kind of realistic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I th- I think also I don't know if this is just me trying to read too much into everything as always but no don't do it. i was thinking about this you, you know so in spiral when we reviewed spiral book of soul oh, we were saying that what it does which is quite interesting is that it kind of um all of the police are black and all of the criminals are white yeah and they do that thing and in this film the um all of oh not all of them but the most prominent like uh detectives and people working with them are people of color yeah dealing with this like dramatic white family <laughs> who is these silly billies <laughs> silly hillbillies <laughs> um, yeah so I don't have much more to say about that representation I think but no. um, but yeah it's it's fine yeah. it's fine um, yeah I think except for the police style section but like yeah if we said yeah. it's like kind of meant to be a bit comic book and silly uh, the um Oh, I don't know if you can hear the the sirens, which seems timely when we're talking about police. It's a a cab, by the way, coming just together. We haven't uh, <laughs> um, the uh, so queer representation. Any thoughts? Well, we obviously have um, just a chunky monkey, which is really rude. Um, the guy, uh, the chubby, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, like uh, very sort of like femme gay guy. Well, he's not explicitly said as gay, but like I he's think, like I mincing think... around and is like this matching pajama set and just yeah. kind of like placing his little things. And he's got a whole like <laughs> wardrobe, like carefully ironed shirts all lined up. I think <laughs> queers will recognise him as a gay character. Yes. I'm not sure straight people will. No. Um, um, he's like one of the, the, the nurses or doc- I'm not sure if he's a nurse or a doctor but he was at the thing doing the electroshock therapy he said it's like it's like he's feeding off the electricity <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I guess the the, the less uh, kind of apparent uh, queer themes that I picked up on one was when I was researching for the for the spoopy bit uh, which will be coming forthcoming mm-hmm. um, I also read that 
uh, when they have where parasitic twins, which is such a horrible turn of phrase, yeah. but like uh, conjoined twins or like partially sort of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's that, I think there's a, a delineation between parasitic and conjoined. I think because parasitic uh, twins can't exist without the other one. Yeah. Whereas conjoined, oh no, that's well they can, but it'd be really hard to do. Well, it, it, oh, it, yeah. well, it, it depends where that what they what they what, share yeah, and where yeah, they're connected, yeah. I guess. But um, but yeah, they they they're never opposite sex though, are they? Because no. they're always identical. Um, whereas in this, they are presented as opposite. But then also, does a little mouth and an eye in the back of a head have a gender. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has a name that sounds Yeah, gendered, like, but... where did his name come from? Like, who named him? Well, I mean, I guess if you if you had a, 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 a baby that had, like, a yeah, little conjoined. mini baby attached to yeah. its back you that seemed sentient, which it does, yeah. it, albeit not able to speak... Yeah, you, you wouldn't you would name, name it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would. I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be the first thing I did <laughs> before I even named the uh, yeah. the, 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 Ooh, the, the back end the name of, of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other kind of queer element to it, I thought, and this is me reaching, but I always really love seeing representations where there is some acknowledgement that water is thicker than blood when it comes mm. to family. And that is essentially the moral of the story at the end of this, yeah. which is that I was... Because there's a moment, um, and I don't know if you mentioned it in the synopsis, but there's a moment where Madison is basically saying that she uh, that she was like yearning to have a blood connection, which is why she was so desperate to have, have a baby. child, yeah. But then she, she acknowledges at the end that... She she doesn't need a blood collection. Who doesn't need a blood collection? Because she has something which is more meaningful, which is someone that is family to her. Yes. And I, I really like seeing acknowledgement that, like, yes, yes, blood's important, blah, blah. But also it's essentially about the relationships you build and the closeness you have with people that makes a family. Which is uh, obviously leads into the queer way of it, thinking it of an adopted family. Not adopted family. Is that how many uh, people say it? Like chosen family. Yeah, chosen yeah. family, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, yes, and obviously the fact that we mentioned before that Gabriel, yeah, couldn't have been born uh, a girl, like a boy, and that he's yeah. obviously chosen. Uh, but actually, that kind of then conflicts with the naming. Anyways, it's sort of a chicken and egg there, isn't it? Really, yeah. it's just like who knows what happened first. Yeah. Um, well, but, for, yeah. I mean, for about uh, the first half of the film, I thought he was called Simeon until I realised <laughs> that was the name of the medical research facility. <laughs> um, so, uh, disability. Tricky, isn't it? It is tricky. I think there's one example where it's not tricky, and it's very clearly problematic which is in the open and you, you might have missed this it was a kind of blink and you miss it sort of thing in the opening credits or maybe which i think occur after the initial kind of like oh my god he's feeding off the electricity bit yeah. it shows like the you know there's music playing and it shows like lots of like little clips of bits relating to this kind of medical <laughs> clips of bits <laughs> that relating to like like pictures and documents of like to do with medical research mm. and there's a picture of a baby with a cleft lip um oh, and it's um it's such a tired trope that there is something inherently scary about uh, yeah, disfigurement monstrous. um especially with something I, I mean with anything but like with something so common um it's it, it is offensive there's no good reason now to be 
portraying a, a baby with a cleft lip as something yeah, yeah. that is worthy of being included. To include in it, yeah, like in a horror opening sequence. Yeah, is, yeah, not um, good. yeah it's lazy and it's silly. Um, yeah, the, I mean, there's some kind of like, obviously, the difficulty with the, the fact that, that this is meant to be a parasitic twin, or she also refers to it as, a, I think, a teratoma, which is two different things. The teratoma is like a type of cancer, uh, which is like a mass, and then like a, conjo- like a parasitic twin is a whole nother thing. Um, and the fact that it's like so mystical and magical and is not really like a conjoined twin or a parasitic twin would be, mm. and that it is, in fact, something monstrous, kind of makes it hard to distinguish whether it's problematic that this could just be um, a deformed, you know, like, mm. uh, twin, or whether it is meant to be a monster, like a, a supernatural... A supernatural thing. yeah, yeah. Like, you know... Um, so if it is that it's portraying, like, conjoined twins as some kind of, like horrific thing then that's obviously wrong and bad but i don't think it's that clear cut um because of the way that they muddy the language around it especially um and yeah i don't think it's on purpose i think it's to try and sort of uh fog the situation essentially yeah and and also to recognize that we're being led to believe that this is such a medical anomaly that even the experts don't really know what to yeah. call it or how to deal with it appropriately. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I, a note that I wrote while we were watching before the the more of the twists were revealed was I I really questioned the movements with these kind of backward limbs and stuff about whether like but then it's explained in a way that it's like it, it's not it's not offensive it, it's she, she's walking backwards and <laughs> also the fact that like um, he's actually more powerful is kind of interesting and kind of maybe even you know if he were to literally be kind of empowering in a way that he's like supernaturally powerful and kind of more powerful but and strong. Malevolent. Yeah, I mean, if you take that out of it. But malevolent, yeah, you might even maybe say. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting because there's like, uh, obviously like that as a, tr- it's not really a trope because I don't think it's happened that much in terms of horror films. But like, um, I really expect it to be like, and there's like a episode of The X-Files, which is very similar called Humbug, but um, it's more like uh, the basket case type oh, uh, yeah, yeah. conjoined twin, where there's like a monster twin that actually lives on the body and escapes and can mm-hmm. run away and do murders and come back to the body. Um, and then basket case, of course, is like a the campiest version of this film. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like it's just like a little tiny scurrying monster. Um, I think we should review that sometime. But, um, we should. It's too uh, iconic. To yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, I'm looking forward to dealing with the disability oh section God, of that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the other thing, I wonder, because I was also thinking, like, when we first get kind of like little snatches of his of Gabriel's face, it looks a bit like a deformed human face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really reminded me of the way that can you remember in the original, the first American Horror Story series. Uh, Murder House, which mm. is my favorite, um, and I think was never topped. They have the, so one of Jessica Lang's children, and she had three children with disabilities. Um, one of which you never he- you hear about, but you never see. Two, one of them is uh, Addie, who's the Down syndrome daughter. Yeah, and another one is called Thaddeus, who lives in the attic. 
and he's like chained to a bed and he wants he just wants someone to play with and he like he's the one that rolls the ball and he kind of scrabbles oh, along what's the monster in the basement <laughs> that's infantata uh. <laughs> so that, that is something that the the like backstreet abortion doctor like concocted out of body parts yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but thaddeus is essentially just um a child with a facial disability or a teenager i, I don't know how old he's supposed to be but the, the the way that they've made his face looks looks a little bit like the face in this uh, um and i wondered whether just to kind of like remove because i don't think seeing his face adds anything to it did he have to have a face at all is what i wonder whether they could have done it with just having hair over the face and yeah. that kind of suggestion that there is a face under there in some way yeah could actually have been more interesting more interesting and avoided any more kind of problematic areas about yeah because he looks it doesn't really look like a face even really it's kind of more like brains with a bit of eye or something it's yeah. very and it doesn't i guess it's well the thing is they do they do do like the police sketch of what it looks like maybe mm. that's some i don't know well, they could still have done that, but without us having to see yeah, the, like just the, the eyes actual through face. some hair yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, or oh, Anne I. Yeah. 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 Good point. My dear friend, Anne I. Anne I. Have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, despite all of what we've said about this, I don't feel like this is a problematic film. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I'm sure there'll be people who disagree, but I, I just, I don't. I don't think it's that deep, basically. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and there's no kind of, yeah, I don't know. I think it's so kind of campy and silly that it kind of like keeps it buoyed up and away from kind of any kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of like delving too deeply into what it means. It, yeah, yeah, it's almost too superficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the the kind of the gender thing is much more interesting than yeah. anything else that goes on with uh, intense representation, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, maybe we should move on to the awards. 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 Awards, 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 awards. Awards. Oh, that was oh. awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was going well until that final note. <laughs> I was trying to wrap it up. I couldn't think. <laughs> Could have gone on for hours. <laughs> Just jamming. <laughs> See, I thought there was another bar in there, which is why my note didn't sound quite as resolved as yours. <laughs> A resolved note. Um. Um, so, who was... So, just a reminder... Uh, we have for those of you who are tuning in for the first time in which case welcome. where have you been yeah bitch and... <laughs> where the hell have you been where the bloody hell have you been bitch <laughs> um, uh, basically if you are joining us for the first time you are most welcome and please do delve deeply into our, the, the darkest crevices of our back catalogue archive <laughs> archives um, uh, so for the awards uh, we do one two three four five six Seven categories, and then we award uh, pumpkins, uh, which is our star system out of a possible five pumpkins. Um, uh, and uh, the uh, the first category, which is best character, 
is usually referring, well, it's always referring to a very minor character. <laughs> it's a little bit thing. of a tongue-in-cheek uh, award. Yes. But uh, just as important as the others. Oh, uh, maybe more important. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so who was your best character? So it was one that you pointed out, actually, when um, when Madison's a little girl, she has a little, like, secretary desk Ooh. that she's uh, at, and she, um, she zooms in very slowly on her at the desk. And you were like... Who's that little ceramic chicken? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> there's a little ceramic chicken tape dispenser. <laughs> I want one. I have no use for tape, but I've got plenty of use for a ceramic chicken tape dispenser. Oh, that's a good guy. <laughs> Would be funny if that was a parasitic tweet. <laughs> um, my, my best character was Detective Regina Moss's lollipop. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in the morgue. Yeah, uh, while leaning over the, a cadaver in a like over in an autopsy room, sucking on this lollipop. <laughs> so random. Uh, yeah. What do you think was the spookiest bit? Well, um, I think there was a lot um, leading up to like when we didn't know what Gabriel was, um, and I think uh, for me it was when uh, I already said it in the show, but like when he crawls out from under the bed and crawls mm. over his body, like and he looks kind of like a spider or something. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's one of those things that's creepy and also kind of beautiful. Like yeah. it's like dancerly. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's just kind of and then like even him stabbing him like while he's backwards kind of just looks beautiful yeah. in some kind of horrible way. It, it's also the it's also the first scene or the first time that we really properly see the kind of limbs the, the way that the limbs work on this character yeah yeah that's a uh, that's a good moment so i chose two bits and it uh, basically i just choose the bits that i got the biggest fright <laughs> uh, one of the i think these two i actually screamed at both of them yeah. but bearing in mind i don't think it's a super it's not a super jumpy film it's not a super scary no. film but i am very jumpy <laughs> in general one was Right at the beginning, when Derek... So Derek is sleeping on the sofa. This is after he's uh, he's uh, assaulted uh, Madison. He's been uh, r- rightly relegated to sleep on the sofa. And he gets up to investigate a noise. And he switches the light on and there's a silhouette just sat on the sofa. And we just see it from behind. Oh, yeah. I shat myself at that, that point. Was good. It was really, really brilliantly done. Um and then the other bit that I got a huge fright at, and I can't remember which bit it it occurs at, but it's one of these like uh, these kind of like what they call like a like a, a, a fake out kind of trick jump, you know, like uh, where it turns out to be the dog or something. But uh, it yeah, was, but it was where um, her sister just appears at the window and is like, "Hi there!" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah! <laughs> I, I just remember one of my favorite bits actually that scene where you first uh, where Derek is uh, being killed mm. and then Madison is chased up the stairs a really cool kind of camera motion which follows Madison up the stairs and it's kind of quite swooping and kind of like it's flying it's very like kind of magical y- yes kind of it is and and does it lead straight onto that bit I mentioned about the dollhouse and she runs into a room where, where it sure. looks like it's from above. I'm not sure if, they, if those are two bits. But yeah, like it's... Yeah, um, it's very beautifully shot. Yeah, it's, it's, that bit was good. I forgot to mention mm. that. 
The uh, so uh, for the lols award, which is the funniest yeah. bit. Uh, what do you think is the funniest bit? So it's when uh, Detective Regina Moss. Uh, I think we're going to have the same one here. Oh no! Um, like they they would do a sketch of um, <laughs> the 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 monster or the assailant, and um, and it's like just basically this kind of like monster face, and she just goes like, "So I'm putting out a bolo for sloth from the Goonies." <laughs> <laughs> Was that your one? Yes. Uh, yes, at the, exactly that moment. And also, I looked up what bolo meant. Did you know what it meant? No. It means be on the lookout. Oh, putting out a be on the lookout. Yeah. <laughs> so the other bit that I thought was really funny, oh, well, that's maybe not really funny, but it did make me do a little... Oh, 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 oh. didn't make me do a little chuckle, is when the detective turns up at the hospital after um, when... Uh, Madison has been attacked also by her. Actually, that's the bit that's not really explained. How is she attacked by her own? No, but that's him faking out with her brain oh, yeah. to cover his tracks. And then, and also killing the baby, I guess, because yeah. she has miscarriage. Yeah. In which case, she was right that she was responsible for that death, but she has no grounds. Anyway, yes, we, yes. We, we'll never understand that part. <laughs> but the detective turns up at the uh, at the. The hospital, and her sister is by her bedside. She stands up, and she's dressed as like little Bo Peep. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just like a moment where it's like, was it what? Yeah, but she's like, yes, I'm an I'm an actress. I've been in like a, a princess, princess party. Yeah, <laughs> but I did like that. Bit. Yeah, that was cute. Good, good hospital wear. Um, I was just gonna go back to my favorite, like silly bit at the very beginning, where <laughs> like after Gabriel's massacred a lot of people. Uh, in the in the psychiatric hospital, uh, the doctor says, "You've been a bad, bad boy." <laughs> it's like uh, I think it's a little bit worse than a bad, bad boy. That I feel like that's a reference to something. Yeah, it does sound familiar. I was thinking, as I was just saying, it reminded me of like, "You've been a bad girl, Gaga." A very <laughs> bad girl. <laughs> yes, but I feel like it is a reference to something horror, though. Yeah, but maybe. I can't think what. Maybe. Um, if if you're listening and you know. Please tell us on InstiG. Please. Um, uh, so next award goes to the best death. Well, I I actually like chose a massacre for my best death, which was the entire uh, police centre, including the prison. Like that whole scene with the killing it was just like her flying around like some kind of ninja. It's just like so beautifully shot and so fun. Like it's just yeah. like a real romp of a killing spree. <laughs> Well, I, I, I couldn't choose from two, um, and I chose two, like, individual deaths. So one was the first death, which is when she snapped the husband's neck, oh. uh, or when Gabriel snapped the husband's neck, and the way his body was found with the kind of bones jutting out. Mm. Uh, I like that, but I also really liked uh, the backwards crawl over the bed onto the old gay man. Stuff. Um, <clears throat> the homophobic uh, attack. <laughs> The kind of like backwards stab I thought yeah. was just very beautiful. Um, but yeah, so the next award is Worst Death. I didn't have one. Well, I actually said the husband because I wished that something more gruesome had happened to him because he just pushed him and he fell and broke his neck, didn't he? No. What? He did, but then he like crawled over him and snapped his neck. Yeah, I just wanted him to be a bit more tortured seeing he was an asshole. I yeah. Just, like, um, I mean, it was still quite kind of like nice the way it looked in terms of the broken <laughs> neck, but oh, that was, that lovely, was a lovely, lovely, lovely corpse. <laughs> uh, but I just I feel like he like the other ones got quite a lot of like 
build up to their deaths and a lot of chasing, whereas his is more like spooky. What's gonna happen? And yeah. then sudden crack the neck. He doesn't get enough time to yeah. be scared. Really, I guess the 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 reasoning behind that would be because it, it's still at the point where we're not being shown much. Yeah. Of the, the, yeah, it, I guess it makes sense from that. It does, it does. But I think because he was such an asshole, like... He deserved worse. Yes, exactly. Fair, fair. Um, so, uh, the next award is for the queerest uh, moment. Well... Or element. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I think uh, Gabriel being a, a, tra- a trans character is quite queer. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, the only other one, obviously, is the sassy gay nurse who gets murdered. Um, yeah, but yeah, so this is a slim pickings. It is, two, it two is, slim, is pickings. slim pickings. I I put the uh, the uh, the denouement that reveals oh, yeah. that uh, that actually uh, blood is not what makes yours. Uh, yours are more intellectual than mine. <laughs> Mine's like, where's the fags? <laughs> <laughs> I see no fags. <laughs> um, and the final award uh, is for the sexiest character. You know, I think there are some pickings on this as well, um, but you kind of by default have to go with Detective Man, as you called him. Yes, but I mean, I think he was very attractive. He was good looking, but I would have liked a little bit more eye candy, personally. Sure. Um, uh, but yeah, he was. Yeah, hard. maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I so I said the detective too, but I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have wet dreams about him. Or <laughs> I bet I do now. That I'm <laughs> every, every night for the rest of your so life. Wet, wet, <laughs> Coated in That's seminal fluid. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, the all important pumpkin distribution. Oh, we're at the pumpkin factory. Yeah, Who's going to get the pumpkins? <laughs> uh, how many pumpkins out of five would you award uh, Malignant? Well, Sean, great question. Thanks for asking. I really wasn't expecting this question, so it's really throwing me. Um, so, uh, I think because uh, it was quite kind of like an interesting kind of fresh take on horror films and something that we haven't seen in a while. I feel like there was some films like this like in the 90s maybe um, where it was more kind of like mystery detective-y horror. Like for some reason it quite reminded me of that film uh, Mimic. I don't know if you ever saw that one. It basically is but it turns Mm. out there's this giant bug that can imitate people. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, but like, there hasn't been anything like that in a long time. It's been quite kind of focused on kind of supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. I think, for a while. Um, so for it to be not that, um, well, partially that, but just a mixture of so many different genres, um, and for just be so, just such a fun romp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I might actually give her. I was going to say a four, but I'm leaning towards 3.5. Oh. Maybe, why? What are you saying? Well, but before saying that, I want to follow on slightly from what you were saying. I agree that it feels very fresh, but I also think, in a way, it feels like a very natural progression from the kind of insidious conjuring films. But Well, insidious more so. Insidious and sinister more so. Mm. Where they were like ghosty, supernatural, haunted house stories but they had this really campy demon character in both of them. Yeah. And I think that this seems like quite a natural progression from that. Um, and I agree. I, I think when it finished, I was a bit like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> in the best possible way. And I think it's because it was unexpected. Um, I think it was really, it was it was wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really, really ride. fun. I, I think, like, we definitely both had a, a brilliant time watching it. Like, yeah. It was, um, 
And yeah, I, I would say a very solid Four Pumpkins. I thought it was a really good film. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I, I can see where people who are a bit more snooty might like uh, take umbrage with it being a bit too silly. Um, but that was like all like part of the fun for me. It was yeah. just like it was silly and it was kind of amazing and kind of campy and fun and scary. Also, yeah, I think the kind of horror fans who dismiss films like this and are really snobby about horror films, it's like are you a horror fan or do you just like wanky horror films? (laughs) Because there's a difference. Like, I feel like we're fairly, like we're critical of horror films, but in terms of our enjoyment of them, we're fairly uncritical. Yeah, Because we can can find fun in in like, and this was a really fun film. Like, really fun. You you didn't Um, need to search hard for the fun on this one. No. Um, so, so did you say did you settle on four? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say four. What what a great way to start season two with a eight whole pumpkins. Eight delicious pumpkins. <laughs> oh we'll be eating pumpkin pie for some time. <laughs> Come on over, y'all. Pie's on the sale, cooling. <laughs> It's time for the spooky bit. That was good. I like that. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that felt bad. polished. Yeah, it did. Felt like we <laughs> maybe really coming into being yeah. real true professionals. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as a reminder, and for those of us joining us fresh, um, the spooky bit is. Uh, uh, a little section where we tell a little spooky story uh, that's either based on something true-ish or folklore and uh, and is normally semi-related somewhat to the film, yes. normally thematically in some way, but sometimes not related at all. <laughs> um, this one is very clearly related, and it was one of... So sometimes, watching it, and if I know I'm going to do a spooky sto- story, when I'm watching the film, I'm trying to think about connections I could make uh, to other things and this one once it became clear what was happening it was there was only one possible story I could tell mm. and that was about Edward Mordrake but before I tell it what do you remember what do you know about the story of Edward Mordrake just the as a face in the back of his head that's it so I <clears throat> yes I, that's what I knew as well. right. <laughs> um, but I knew instantly that I wanted to tell a story and I looked it up there's not bags of detail about it and there's a reason why that is but there was there's a little twist at the end which I wasn't expecting it that I didn't know about. Did you get gooped? Um, I, oh, I was gooped, gagged, and... Uh, Internally uh, yeeted? I was yeeted <laughs> from hither to thither. Yeeted from my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so this is a very iconic story, but it's ultimately a very sad story uh, until you find hear the last bit. Um, it's the last bit funny. <laughs> Uh, the last bit is surprising. Okay, fine. Well, it's, maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe stop I, building. Anyway, up. I'll just tell the story. Just tell the I, story. Well, stop asking questions then. When are you telling the story, Sean? <laughs> so this is the story of Edward Mordrake, or sometimes Mordake, oh. but that sounds like a stupid name. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, the, the, this character or this person might be more most familiar to more recent uh, audiences or people who perhaps don't delve into sort of like uh, horry. History as much as perhaps we do, um, <laughs> from uh, his depiction in uh, American Horror Story Freak Show, 
Uh, so mm. he's depicted by Wes Bentley in perhaps the only good scene in that whole film, that whole series. Yeah, the Halloween which, which is, double bill was quite good in that yeah, one. Yeah, and it's when Jessica Lange's character is singing Gods and Monsters by Lana Del Rey. <laughs> yeah. And he like really slowly, it just looks like a beautiful music video yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And he is very hot. Yeah. Um, so um, instead of explaining this in my own words, I'm going to take it straight from the horse's mouth. And the horses in this case are uh, George M. Gould and Walter L. Pyle. My favourite horses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they uh, compiled a book in uh, that was published in 1896 uh, called Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine. Um, and this book is described as uh, being an encyclopedia collection of rare and extraordinary cases and of the most striking instances of abnormality in all branches of medicine and surgery, derived from an exhaustive research of medical literature from its origin to the present day, abstracted, classified, annotated, and indexed. Oh, beautiful. So, I will now begin reading the entire book. Ah! <laughs> no. So, this is from chapter five. Page one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, chapter five begins, Monstrosities have attracted notice from the earliest times, and many of the ancient philosophers made reference to them. In mythology, we read of centaurs, impossible beasts who had the body, uh, the body and extremities of a beast, and uh, the cyclops, possessed of one enormous eye, or their parallels in Egyptian myth, the men with pectoral eyes, the creatures whose heads do beneath their shoulders grow, and the fawns, uh, those sylvan deities whose lower extremities bore resemblance to those of a goat. So then later in the chapter, it goes into it, uh, following a little uh, bit about um, some cases of conjoined twins and things like that. It then goes on to this section. The following well-known story of Edward Mordrake, though taken from lay sources, is of sufficient notoriety and interest to be mentioned here. And it goes on to say... One of the weirdest, as well as the most melancholy stories of human deformity is that of Edward Mordrake, said to have been heir to one of the noblest peerages in England. He never claimed the title, however, and committed suicide in, I'm reading here, I wouldn't say committed to myself otherwise, mm. uh, in his 23rd year. He lived in complete seclusion, refusing the visits even of, his, uh, even of the members of his own family. He was a young man of fine attainments, a profound scholar and a musician of rare ability. Uh, his figure was remarkable for its grace, and his face, that is to say his natural face, <laughs> was that of an Antinous. Uh, and Antinous is Hadrian's uh, lover. Um, oh. Sort of like he had a pederastic it's a relationship. Compliment with, that... Yeah, he was like this beauty who's been rendered in stone. Right. But uh, yeah, um, it's a relationship that doesn't really work well in modern day because Hadrian was in his late 40s and Antinous was about 12 or something. Um, but, um, <clears throat> uh, but upon the back of his head, this is Edward, not Antinous, uh, was another face, that of a beautiful girl. Oh. Hmm. Yes. Often depicted as being a man. Um, and then this is apparently lovely as a dream, hideous as a devil. The female face was a mere mask occupying only a small portion of the posterior part of the skull, yet exhib exhibiting every sign of intelligence of a malignant sort, however. It would be seen to smile and sneer while Mordrake was weeping. The eyes would follow the movements of their spectator, and the lips would gibber without ceasing. No voice was audible. <sighs> but Mordrake avers that he was kept from his rest at night 
by the hateful whispers of his devil twin, as he called it, which never, and this is a quote, which never sleeps, but talks to me forever of such things as they can only speak of in hell. Um, no imagination can conceive the dreadful temptations it sets before me. For some unforgiven wickedness of my forefathers, I am knit to this fiend, for a fiend it surely is. I beg and beseech you to crush it out of human semblance, even if I die for it. <clears throat> Such were the words of the hapless Mordrake to Manvers and Treadwell, his physicians. In spite of careful watching, so he wanted it yeah, killed. Yeah. Um, in spite of uh, careful watching, he managed to proctor poison whereof he died, leaving a letter re uh, requesting that the demon face might be destroyed before his burial, lest it continue its dreadful whisperings in my grave. Uh -huh. At his own request, he was interred in a waste place without stone or legend to mark his grave. So this is a super sad story, yeah. Like super, super sad and bleak. Um, the the uh, this entry in that encyclopedia provides no medical diagnosis for this condition uh, or even any speculation to it, and instead uh, moves on to some more robustly documented cases. Um, but this is where the twist lies. Um, so the sources that this entry draws from, uh, which uh, does show that, despite what it said at the beginning of the book. Uh, that uh, the research pro uh, process was not necessarily an exhaustive research of medical literature as we think it might be. Uh, so the source this draws from is only one, um, and it's from a newspaper article from the previous year in the Boston Post. The article was about so-called human freaks, in inverted commas, and was written by, uh, wait for it, an author of fiction called Charles Lotin Hildreth. And as well as highlighting Mordrake's harrowing story, he also wrote about a woman who had the tail of a fish, ah! a man with the body of a spider, and the man who was half crab. So, um... <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, that kind of, like, could be conceivable mm. and then moving on to just completely spider elaborate man. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you may, you may well be asking yourself uh, what uh, Charles Lotton Hildreth's sources for this uh, story were, and he claimed that it was from medical records from the Royal Scientific Society, uh, which sounds very plausible. However, no such society existed! <laughs> um, at least not until the 1970s, which was 100 years after the publication of the article. Um, so I am afraid to He's say... Time traveller. Yes, exactly. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm afraid to say that this harrowing tale of Edward Mordrake, which is such an iconic uh, story that has obviously captured people's imagination, um, is just an early example of fake news. Um, Could be that real was, news. Uh, that was likely written to have been, uh, likely to have been written just to stir up some titillation for the readership of the Boston Post. Um, I think if it was grounded in any sense of truth that they probably would have had a journalist writing it rather than an author. Um, but, yeah. but, um, uh, but as it has captured the imagination, um, uh, as well as his very sexy portrayal of American Horror Story, he's been the subject of many a popular song, including one by Tom Waits called Poor Edward, which I had the misfortune of listening to earlier. Mm. But I will end the spoopy bit by quoting from its final stanza. Stanza! <clears throat> um... Finally the bell told his doom. He took a suite of rooms and hung himself and her from the balcony irons. Which I would suggest is a little bit of a, a sort of a creative spicy fanfic because he didn't have the sources to suggest that that's what happened. But I'll go on. Um, <laughs> some still believe he was freed from her, but I knew her too well. 
I say she drove him to suicide and took poor Edward to hell. That was spoopy. Thank you. And then the other character, of course, is Professor Quirrell, who's got Voldemort on the back of his head. But we do not speak of that name, and I'm not talking about Voldemort. No. about Turfy Turferson. Oh, Turfy Turferson. That is the spookiest person of all. What would you do if you found out that you were actually just a face on the back of someone else's head? (laughs) Because I've, I... I've, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind backing up to that mirror. <laughs> I've never looked at my back before. <laughs> this going to di- be a surprise. As your die job sometimes suggests. Oh, <laughs> If you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, like, and review on whichever platform you listen to us on, and share with your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at Bloody Marys Podcast, and that is Marys with a Z. Um, and you can also find a link to our spooky Spotify playlist there as well. Uh, our theme tune is by Pink Pound, and you can follow them on Instagram at Pink Pound Sound. <laughs>